Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hey there, Keith. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? I am fine. We are in a different location this week. Ooh. Uh, if you, if you, if, we're just in a different room here at Billboard. <laughs> we're literally across the hall from we're, our yeah. office. Uh, it's just, it's just a different. Um, if you hear weird sounds or buzzing, it's just because we're in a different place. Just know that we have a beautiful view of the atrium currently. Yeah, we're looking at we're as the sun sets in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop. On Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. On this week's show, believe it or not, we've got three, count them, three very special guests. Cord Overstreet, Demi Lovato, and DNCE. Cord Overstreet, of course, you know from Glee. Uh, he dropped by the office recently to chat about his autobiographical debut single, Homeland, how he's been writing and working on his own music for the past few years, and that an EP release is in the works. Mm. Well, Court also uh, talks about how he became friends uh, with uh, Demi and Nick and uh, Nick Jonas and Joe Jonas, uh, all the Jonases, uh, basically. <laughs> Maybe even Frankie. Maybe even Frankie, <laughs> the bonus Jonas. Um, and how that led to Cord becoming the first artist signed to Safe House Records, which is the record label that Demi and Nick have together. Well, and speaking of Demi and the Jonases, uh, I grabbed both of them for a joint interview along with Joe's band DNCE. Among the topics discussed, the possibility of new music from Demi and DNCE's upcoming debut full-length album, which is due in November. Um, plus, in addition to all that stuff, uh, we've got chart chat about the weekend's big jump into the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 with Starboy, Shawn Mendes's Mendes's <laughs> say that five times fast, second number one album on the Billboard 200 chart, Pop Shop Guest, uh, <laughs> and uh, Niall Horan's uh, solo debut on the Hot 100 and more. Uh, but first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode and heck, Give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. So let's talk about charts, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> you and me. Uh, last week's very special podcast guest, Sean Mendez, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart with Illuminate giving him his second number one following his full-length debut release, Handwritten, uh, last year. Just... He lights up the top of the charts yeah, with Illuminate. Normally, that would be... <laughs> the pun corner would be me, but... Um, I'll help out take it time. away this week. Um, Illuminate uh, starts, lights up, turns on, uh, brightens up the chart, with 145,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending September 29th, according to Nielsen Music. Of that, 121,000 were in traditional album sales, which is uh, Sean's best sales week yet. Of course, he hasn't really been around forever, so it's a very short measurement period, yes. but still pretty good, you know, in an era when most people don't really sell albums. Well, and he debuted at number one with his last album, so, you know, yeah. he's clearly... Had a good career already. <laughs> it's, a, it's a short career, but very jam-packed. Indeed. Um, as Illuminate arrives on the uh, chart dated October 15th, 
that actually gives Sean two number one albums at only 18 years old. Uh, More precisely, based on the new chart's date, Sean achieves his second number one at only 18 years, two months, and seven days Hmm. old. Um, He was born on August 8th, 1998, which really, August 8th, 1998, what were you doing in August (laughs) of 1998? Well, I was real bummed that I had to go back to my, like, sophomore year in high school. (laughs) That's what I was doing. Well, only five artists have scored their first two number one albums at such a young age. I did a little research, well, a lot of research on this. Hmm. Uh, Justin Bieber had his first two number ones uh, at only uh, 17 years and four days old back in 2011 when Never Say Never, the remixes, hit number one. Um, That, of course, followed... uh, I believe it was My World 2.0 was his first number one. Then Miley Cyrus was just 14 years old when Hannah Montana 2 Meet Miley Cyrus debuted at number one in 2007, and that followed the Hannah Montana soundtrack. So she had two at age 14? Her first first number one was when she was like 13 (laughs) years and 11 months old. Wow. Um, And that's tricky because it was the Hannah Montana soundtrack. It was credited as a soundtrack, but it's kind of recognized as a Miley Cyrus album. As well it should be. Yeah. Um, Hilary Duff was only 17 uh, when Most Wanted launched at number one in 2004. And that followed, I believe it was Metamorphosis was her first number one. (laughs) Katie? (laughs) Hands in the air on that one. Um, And Leanne Rimes was a sprightly 15 years old when You Light Up My Life inspirational songs hit number one in 1997. That was, of course, her second number one album. A year before Shawn Mendes was born. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now it's time for our Charts Dad of the Week. Oh, man. Um, And this one is sort of a quiz, Katie. Oh, okay. It's it's just basically, since we're talking about ages and stuff, I thought it'd be fun to ask Katie and you listening, who is the youngest person to have a number one album on the Billboard 200 chart? And I will give you a hint. It is none of those people that we just said. I would think that that would be the case. Youngest to ever have a number one on Billboard 200 yes. is the question. Yes, youngest <clears throat> individual person. So I don't know if uh, the youngest uh, Hanson brother, and I don't even think Hanson went to number one, so mm. ignore that. Um, but who is the youngest person to ever have a number one album? Can I get like a time frame? Sure, 60s. Okay, that's helpful. Um, and it's a superstar, a legend. Right. <laughs> like a Judy Garland? No, that's way too late. Um, Superstar legend who is still actively touring today. Wow, really? Yeah, but has not put out an album in over 10 years. Oh my God. Is this a man or a woman? It is a man. A girl or a boy? It was a boy. (laughs) He was just a a, a wee Not Donny Osmond. No. Oh. Okay, I need help. I'm not. I'm not doing this. Um, Oh, it's and it's. Oh, obviously not. I can give you the year, 1963. Yeah, that's not helping me. I'm not coming up with any 60s people right now. Man, really? Uh huh. Man, you just get just stumped immediately. That might be a blind spot. Uh, He went on to have an amazing Grammy-filled career Mm -hmm. in the 70s and the 80s, and just tons of number one albums. not tons, but he's had Stevie number one. Stevie Wonder? Yes, Stevie oh, Wonder. there we go. Stevie... I didn't realize he was that. So how young was he? He was just uh, 13 Little years. Little Stevie Wonder. <clears throat> Indeed, it's all coming to you now. Mm-hmm. On August 24th, 1963, 
uh, he was 13 years old, th- 13 years, three months, and 11 days old when Little Stevie Wonder, the 12-year-old genius, hit hmm. number one on the Billboard 200. He actually recorded the album when he when was he 12. Because it was a live album, I believe. It was the one with, like, fingertips on it. Okay. Yeah. You know, the one <laughs> that's exactly, that sounds just like Stevie. <laughs> Wait, did Stevie just come into the room? <laughs> come on in. Is it Stevie's office? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, there's a chart side of the week. Ooh, that took me a long time. The youngest person with the number one album is Stevie Wonder. In 1963, he was just 13 years old when wow. he hit number one. Okay, so let's get back to the normal charts this week. Um, moving on to the big news on the Hot 100, The weekend, Starboy. Uh, featuring Daft Punk, shoots like a star straight into the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. It flies. I feel like, like I started this. Like a star. <laughs> it flies 40 to 3 in its second week on the chart. Uh, the big jump comes because the song was released on a Thursday, uh, like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. instead of a normal Friday. So it actually debuted on the chart a week ago with just one day of sales and streaming information powering its debut. Right into the top 40. Right into the top 40. Um, normally, songs are released on Friday each week. Um, and had the song come out on Friday, it likely wouldn't have even debuted on the chart until this week. Mm-hmm. So it could have would have, could have maybe just debuted straight into the top three. Right. But instead... Maybe even could have nope. ended... It couldn't have ended. Um, I, I, I Closer's che- rain. I, I checked on this, and I don't. And we're pretty sure that it probably wouldn't have toppled the Chainsmokers, who are currently number one. But that, you know, who knows what would have ultimately happened? Yeah. But it doesn't look like it would have had enough oomph to knock the Chainsmokers out of number one in its first week. But it's just getting started, and this song seems like it's going to be a sustained hit. It's so good. I love it so much. So good. So good. I like the video a lot too. So it's huge. <laughs> um, that's a Donald. That's a terrible Donald. I, Trump. I picked up on it though. Um, by the way, the song sold eighty-eight thousand downloads in its first, um, like tracking week. Basically, its second through eighth days of uh, sales availability, it sold eighty-eight thousand. Um, and on its first day, it sold 28000 And that's how it debuted on the chart a week ago. Um, by the way, we were talking about this earlier before the show. Uh, what did you think of his uh, performance on Saturday Night Live this past weekend? Oh, uh, I thought it was great. Um, and it was the first time that I had heard, is it False Alarm, the second single from yes. Starboy? Um, it was the first time I'd heard that song as well. And both of them just sounded great live. I, the, one of the things I loved about the video is that the weekend like kind of dances in it, which we didn't really see from Beauty Behind the Madness. Like mm-hmm. not much dancing from the weekend. Uh kind of would stay still when he performed. So these songs kind of encourage him to be a little bit more move a little well, bit more. He and I danced. Liked it. He was on fire and can't feel my face. Yeah. Like he was dancing on a stage. There's a little but this this I feel like I don't know, it's like ushering in a new dance era. It, it's hard it's weekend. also hard to dance to the hills. Yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that's that's not exactly like, oh, yeah, feel good. But he was mm. great on SNL. And just like the video, he had a big neon cross behind him. It was very striking looking. It flashed and everything. Yeah, very it, was, cool. it was pretty cool. Um, well, uh, speaking of the Billboard Hot 100, Niall Horan of One Direction uh, debuts on the Hot 100 chart. His new single, This Town. Uh, every time I say that, I'm like, this town is our town. <laughs> this town is so glamorous. That's an old Go-Go's song from the 80s. Uh, former <laughs> podcast guest, the Go-Go's. Yes. Anyway, uh, Niall's song <laughs> debuts at number 63 on the Hot 100. 
Um, like the weekend's track, uh, Niall's song was released on a Thursday. Clearly, no one's no one's paying attention to that global release Seriously, date. Dropping thing. the ball here. Um, so the song would have had a bigger debut next week had they actually held off on issuing the song for a day. Um, that said, the song sold forty eight thousand downloads in its first day. Um, you might be wondering, Katie. Mm-hmm. Hey, if the weekend sold twenty eight thousand in his first day, mm-hmm. but Niall sold forty eight thousand. How did the weekend start higher on the Hot 100 last week? Because he started at 40, but Niall only starts at 63. I might be wondering that. What, what, do you have a guess? Since you haven't read ahead in the script yet. Uh, I'm going to say probably radio yes. is the answer. Ding, ding, ding. Because I have not yet heard Niall on the radio, but I have heard Starboy quite a bit. Yeah, Niall is not really like a guaranteed thing for radio. One Direction, yeah. One Direction frankly, never was a guarantee sure. for airplay. Um, and... They had some hits, but not like The weekend. where, right, right. I mean, you're following up two enormous radio singles, and you're just like, yes, radio, we're going to play you instantly out of the box. One Direction never had a number one song, right? Nope. Yeah. Zayn did, but One Direction didn't. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, One Direction never had a number one on our pop songs airplay chart mm-hmm. either, which is the barometer for top 40 airplay. I mean, you can get a number one on the Hot 100 chart just from like, you know, Good sales and good streams and okay airplay. Yeah. Like Zane, you know, had a big hit. With Pillow Talk, yeah. Yeah, Pillow Talk was a big hit. But, you know, Niall, especially with this kind of song, it's more of a strummy, acoustic-y guitar. Mm-hmm. It's not that far away from what they were doing in One Direction. Mm-hmm. This was co-written by one of the guys that did a lot of the One Direction material. Definitely sounds like one of their strummy ballads. Yeah. So, and obviously our friend Sean Mendez has had a lot of luck with strummy ballads. Strummy ballads work. <laughs> um, strummy ballads. They're good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, there you go. Uh, Niall debuts on the Hot 100 this week. Uh, the second of uh, the five... One Direction boys uh, to chart on the Hot 100 as a solo artist. I'm assuming the others cannot be that far behind. I think Harry's next. Dun, I'm dun, guessing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Let's move on to our guest interviews this week. Um, our first of two, three interviews. <laughs> One of them is a, a, combo, joint a joint interview. Yes. So our our first interview is with Court Overstreet. Um, you know, the singer actor released his debut single Homeland back in August. And he came by the office to talk about the autobiographical track. Growing up in a house filled with music, you know, his dad is famed country music singer-songwriter Paul Overstreet, and getting to play with the legend that is Jimmy Buffett. And, you know, by the way, Jimmy Buffett is a former Billboard staffer. We learned, I learned that along with Cord Overstreet in this interview. Yeah, um, <laughs> I knew it. Um, well, Cord's currently in the midst of a residency at the Intimate Hotel Cafe here in Los Angeles, and he has two more dates lined up, October 13th and October 20th. So make sure to go and check him out if you're in town, and trust us, if you've never been to the Hotel Cafe, you're in for a treat. It is so tiny. It's like the size of your bedroom. Yes. Um, you're practically on stage with the artist. If you love Cord, this is your moment. Yes. So go and check him out. And in the meantime, stick around and listen to our interview with Cord Overstreet. Won't you set me free with a tall stay where I was born to be back in my homeland? Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Cord Overstreet. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm great. How are you, how are you guys? Uh, you're not really that great. Your car broke down. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm getting right into that. Well, <laughs> my car broke down on the way here, so I had to. I Ubered here. This is not a plug for Uber. I just <laughs> uh, I Ubered here and 
I literally just drove it from the shop and it went two miles and then said, nope. Nope. <laughs> we've, got, we've got other plans for you, sir. But I made it here. Yeah, so. such a professional. That's made the, it here that's anyway. That's the most important thing. Um, well, we're super stoked because you have a brand new single out. Mm-hmm. Which is, can we consider Homeland kind of like your your sort of proper solo debut? Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it's a good introduction to uh, getting to know me, um, just because it's very real and it's. Uh, uh, I was writing it um, out here in LA. I, I was homesick, you know, obviously thinking about Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, kind of happened really quick and like within 15 minutes had all the lyrics uh out uh on paper and uh went in and put it down so that's how the best songs happen yeah they just come out that's kind of what i think the ones that take a long time to write and are really agonizing are usually the ones that you end up hating (laughs) (laughs) um did you write it yourself or did you have help with with someone like Um, to write music or anything i worked with a production team um in uh uh, Hollywood and uh, I was working on the lyrics while they were working on the uh, the music part of it and uh, I mean it was a collaborative effort um, but the lyrically it's very it's very you very my story yeah um, so it, it it I was we you know Katie and I were talking about it before um, you got here and we were talking about how I'm like I wonder is there really a broken down truck in his dad's backyard somewhere in Nashville? Yeah, so there is there. So me and my dad used to take this uh, old like 1970s uh, Chevrolet to the dump, uh, to, like you know, because that's in the country. That's kind of how you get around uh, or you get your garbage. There's not a garbage guy that comes and takes. So you have to like. I, I remember that. I'm from Michigan, and that's okay. what we had to do too. Yeah, <laughs> you have to kind of throw everything in the back of a truck and mm-hmm. you haul it to the dump. So uh, I was like 10 years old, and my dad uh, let me drive the truck on the back roads going to the to the landfill and uh <laughs> i remember i feel it felt like it was so hard to keep the truck on the road <laughs> so I was like, but I, I i did it it was like so like i felt like i was like going 100 miles an hour and probably wasn't but uh <laughs> I, go, I go back for the holidays and whenever i can in nashville and the truck's just still, still sitting there. in the backyard hasn't run in probably 15 years and it's just kind of like wow. all rusty and kind of i mean it was an old truck then but now it's just like it hasn't ran in years, so, but it's everything's kind of still there, just a little more faded. Did your uh, what did your dad? Your dad, by the way, is Paul Overstreet, mm-hmm. who is you know an incredible country musician and has an, an incredible chart legacy on Billboard's charts, number one hits, top yeah. ten hits, out the wazoo, and has written songs for lots of other people. What did your dad have to say when he first heard this song? Um, I, I think he he really liked. It. I mean, my, my dad's a, a tough critic, not in the sense of he's doesn't like any of the music that I do but in the sense of like uh he's he just is very uh his taste is very like if it's not good he's not gonna he's not gonna bullshit you and mm-hmm. he's gonna be honest because he you know he's a perfectionist and so he really loved the song and he oh, was, thank goodness yeah. I'm like where's this leading up to <laughs> yeah you know he really loved the song as it turns out he didn't like it <laughs> and yeah he, he had an attachment to it because it was like it was kind of both of it was kind of like just kind of memories and stuff that we shared, and so he was, he had like an emotional connection with the song, and he was he was really uh, excited and proud, and uh, kind of just glad to see me getting stuff out there. Yeah. yeah. And have you always like expected you might go in this kind of sound and direction at some point, or because there's kind of there's kind of a kind of a rocky country acoustic-y. I don't know. I don't want to put you into a box right. of some sort, um, but there's kind of a, a, a feel of country on it. 
Yeah, I don't really, I feel like there's not really a, because that's one of the hardest things to do about music is kind of put yourself in a category. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. You don't have to. Um, We're not asking for that. Yeah. And and I would say there's elements of where I come from that, you know, it's heavily influenced by the storyteller aspect of country music. Um, But, you know, I think it's just kind of like stories and stuff that, uh, you know, kind of my history and if I can kind of tell my story, I feel like. It you know has whether it has an acoustic guitar or an electric guitar, it kind of falls in the same category. So I mean, it could, you know, people that love country music could like it, or people that like stuff like you know, more singer songwriter mm-hmm. Americana, right? Kind of feel like it's kind of open to. You can, it's, people, I was gonna say it's not a problem to have a wide appeal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of people would be into it. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, you were asking you were ta- asking me about Glee earlier. And I was, and because we were like, did, did you ever kind of? We were curious whether you had gone country at all with Glee, and so then we went back and looked at all then your we songs fell into a and saw, yes, every song you did. Oh, on but we saw that you did a Toby <laughs> Keith song, you did a Kenny Rogers song, so like a little bit, you had like a little taste of it on the show. So maybe fans got a hint there. Yeah, I really wanted to do more country stuff, just because I mean, I grew up doing, I, you know, grew up doing impressions of like every country artist. Because <laughs> I do a lot of impressions on the show, and I did. I grew up doing impressions of like every country artist and could sing basically like anybody in country music. And I would beg them. I was like, man, we should do a country song. We should do. And then we, I think the one song we did was like red solo cup. And mm-hmm. that was it. But, uh, <laughs> You're like, really guys, that's, that's all. It. That's all we did. <laughs> it's like, there's so much great country music that, uh, we never tapped into, but you know, it's, you know, it's, it, was, it was, they had a lot of like really great, like pop, I was going to say, I feel like if it was still on now, they would have gone way more country because I feel like country is just like becoming more and more mainstream yeah. and more. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean they, did, they, did a, they did a good bit, mix of it. I just didn't uh, do many of the country stuff. Right, right. Um, I, I'm, I just thought of this. When you were a kid growing up, was it normal for you to like hang out with like big, huge country music stars like in Nashville? And- um, I mean, like my dad would have guys come out to our farm and uh, write and he would kind of, hey, he has a studio out there and he would have people come out there and write and work and so you'd see like a lot of really cool like great country artists come out or if we you know growing up like he was you know he had cuts by you know randy travis and allison krauss and uh keith whitley kenny chesney and like blake shelton all those guys so it's kind of you kind of you grew up knowing those people which is really cool yeah kind of i think getting to see my dad be successful at uh writing and uh playing and just uh being an artist was really inspirational to uh, me and it, it helps me kind of put a reality to oh you can do this like yeah. it's 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 achievable um, and you know he wasn't you know it wasn't like oh you have to go to college you have to do this it's kind of like if you really love music and you want to go after this like you know we support you and he mean he didn't go to college and you know he's he did okay he yeah did, he did okay <laughs> so. he did all right um, I was I'm assuming that because of that wonderful sort of nurturing environment with music you know i was i'm I'm assuming that's how you were able to pick up so many instruments because i was i was reading in a press release that (laughs) you play the what the mandolin the guitar piano and drums well the mandolin was that's what the first instrument i got and i could play like you know like three or four songs well we have one right here yeah right (laughs) (laughs) surprise surprise (laughs) no i i i could play like three or four songs and i was like all right you know what i'm moving on to the guitar and I picked up the guitar and my mom uh we lived out in like the country so for a while my mom hauled me back and forth to go to guitar lessons uh once or twice a week and uh and then I was 
you know, doing drums and stuff from the time I was like six years old because I always loved just banging on different objects around the house. And uh, <laughs> I realized you couldn't write a song playing the drums. <laughs> so wow. I started playing guitar and the piano. I kind of just picked up and played by ear. So it's wow. not great at piano. I'm just, I can play well enough to write and perform. That's still, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm yeah. not like one of those classical trained pianists. That right. You know, just when did all the uh, the dancing stuff come into play? Was that like something that you did just for Glee, or like? Were you oh like... yeah, yeah. That was. Uh... <laughs> I was like, he sings, he dances, he plays the guitar. What can he do? And I was like, like, no, no, no. Just did the dancing yeah, for Glee. That was one of those things where the day uh, the day after I found out I was I, I, I was I booked the job, I went into like my first dance rehearsal, and I I just like I'm one of those people that like I'm athletic when it comes to like sports, I guess, but not like dancing and being aware of your body movement that's a whole completely different <laughs> muscle and uh the, I, it, would, it took a while for me to kind of get comfortable and figure it out but i mean once you do it you know every day for like five years you can do it well enough to pass or, or, <laughs> or fake it enough to where they can edit around your clumsy uh dance moves put, put me in the back right. like oh yeah no 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 i don't i don't need to be in the front on this one you got you you got so many talented uh, amazing dancers just let me just like sit in the back and watch put heather up front yeah put those guys they know what they're doing um, um i would speaking of performing since you brought that up um you've gotten to play some of this new music mm-hmm. you went into our new york office actually and played some music for our coworkers, and you have a bunch of shows coming up um what's it like performing this new music um, I mean, it's really exciting because I've never, uh, I haven't been uh, at a place where it's been ready and I've had the right stuff to play live. So I've kind of just been, you know, holed up in a studio for like the last two years writing and writing and writing until I feel like it's there. And so now that I'm able to kind of uh, play it live and kind of get the reactions and just kind of see uh, the response, it's really cool. And it's it's really amazing to be able to play anything that you've written personally for um people and they respond yeah positively to it so i haven't got any big like this sucks yet so that's good <laughs> that's that's good that's good um how did you get involved with safe house records it's the label that uh phil mcintyre nick jonas and mm-hmm. Demi lovato launched last year i'm assuming i mean you you work with phil yeah um how did you get together with all these folks was this something like years in the making or um so I'd, I'd been friends with, uh, I mean, I've known Nick since he was like probably like 17 or maybe, yeah. Like probably I just can't f- believe how young he still is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> He's I know, been around I know. forever. Uh, <laughs> I went to a baseball game with him recently. We went to a Dodgers game. I was going to say, there was like an Instagram photo, I think. I was like, wait a second, you were at a baseball game. Yeah, we went with a bunch of buddies. And <laughs> You're like, fun. wait, how do you know that? I'm like, yeah. there's a photo. It's, it's public. <laughs> oh, you were that guy with the hood on. Right. Like 10 right. feet behind that us was the whole me. time. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was at the sport ball game. So, sport ball. Yeah, <laughs> sport ball. So how how that whole um, so I was I was I've known Nick and I've known Demi for forever and uh, I was actually I was like friends with Joe and uh, it was like I think the last year I was on the show and um, he introduced me to his manager mm-hmm. and started working together and Phil. yeah and and uh, uh, Phil's really helped and uh, been really uh, instrumental in me making sure it's right and being patient not being hasty and putting the first thing you know right like we got to strike right after glee right. got to yeah, do it's, this it's, it's 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 if the music's not there and it's not right and it's not the statement you want to make you know he's been really uh 
uh, supportive on being patient, which is great. And uh, it just so happened to kind of, it ha- we had like the perfect storm of Island. They work really well with the team at Island. And so they started the um, Safe House Island Records. And he was like, I think we have a really cool opportunity to where we can, you know, get everybody on board and be really supportive and people that really love music. And so started uh, getting everything kind of in the works and then it uh, kind of started happening and uh, everybody seems to be really supportive and on board, so I'm excited. Yeah. Um, well, anything that we can tout coming up for you? Yeah, like, you know, are you in the studio thinking about an album? What's the, what's the next thing? So I probably have enough songs out of the last, like, few years of just writing and recording for a record. Um, like for a box set. Yeah, <laughs> for, for, like, uh, a 20-track song uh, set. Um, but um, I think we're going to kind of finally tune the EP, get it mm-hmm. out there, and then, you know, kind of slowly introduce who I am as an artist and then put the record out after that. Um, but I think next we have like upcoming shows. I have a residency, a hotel cafe mm-hmm. yeah. in the next month and I'm doing uh, like four shows there and then a couple little one-offs here and there and going to start trying to play uh, live as much as possible. And I got to play uh, Margaritaville with Jimmy Buffett uh, oh, fr- man. Friday, which was nuts, which was am- <laughs> amazing. And he's just like the coolest guy. And, uh, a really uh, awesome mentor and like kind of showing me the ropes and kind of giving me great words of wisdom. So it's, it, I had a really fun weekend. Went from there Friday and then got to play the forum with Nick and Demi and uh, just really fortunate to get in front of those audiences. That's wow. awesome. Wow. Well, I'd say off to a good start. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah I think, you know what? Playing with Jimmy Buffett's well. not too shabby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't have been cooler. It was, he, you know, he just plays like his whole set list and, board shorts no shoes uh-huh. and like it's really cool because he's uh he's an artist who's been doing it for so long and his fan base is so awesome and loyal and they know every word to every song he sings yeah speaking and, of people who defy genre too by the way oh, like yeah. he's got the country crowd the rock crowd the every Pop crowd yeah. yeah yeah the guy has so much fun playing like i've never seen like anybody just enjoy what they do so much and like gets down on the stage and he's just like the happiest like nicest guy and like I was like that is the kind of the where I would like love to be like totally in my career eventually like cause that's like that's just the coolest thing like getting up there with no shoes on playing a show <laughs> and just having the best time and then like loving what you do you know that that far into your career is pretty awesome try that at your next show go shoeless yeah shoeless <laughs> that's I'm the gonna, answer i'm gonna go shoeless no pants <laughs> and just like a long a super long tee there that, you go that's be- <laughs> that might get the wrong kind of attention uh, no pants and shoeless or the right kind of attention <laughs> just just a t-shirt and a belt that's just um i i decided not to wear pants because i uh i heard that you know you're supposed to picture yourself naked when you're performing. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, or maybe it's <laughs> the, the audience way. naked. Right. I don't the know. way around. You know, you know, Jimmy Buffett once worked for Billboard. Yeah, he was. He was telling me that he, he, was? he was. He was a writer for uh, yeah. Billboard before he started in music back in the '70s, like way zillion years ago. So he, our live career is still ahead of us, then. Yes, <laughs> you guys should start. Someday. You guys should start. You know, we could become a duo. Katie. Yeah, awesome. Oh, well, anyway, that would um, that would be pretty cool. Uh, no, but I thought that was really interesting. He said when he first moved into town, he started writing for billboard and i was like what a like a cool story to starting out like writing for he probably knew the business pretty well yeah Yeah. 
and this, and he was based in Nashville. He was writing, you know, he was one of our Nashville Look sort of that. stringer writer freelancer dudes. We could have been coworkers. We could, could <laughs> forty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this has been lovely. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank for you coming guys. In. Thank you. Um, and um, good luck in the future. And we look forward to hearing uh, more music. From Thank you. you very much. Yay. Thank you so much, Cord, for swinging by the office to talk about your new single. And uh, we uh, look forward to your future EP, whenever that may come out. And uh, come back anytime. And next up, we have an interview with Cord's boss, Demi Lovato. <laughs> 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 and also DNCE and Joe Jonas. Um, we actually caught up with uh, the band and Demi uh, in downtown Los Angeles a little more than a week ago. They did a, a outdoor concert that they build a block party uh, for Marriott Rewards members um, right in LA Live. And um, we caught up with them before they performed. Um, talked about Demi maybe thinking about her next album since it's been since October that we got confident. And, you know, we do have uh, Body Say, which, you know, might signal a new album. And then for DNCE, we talked about their debut full-length album, which is due in November. Um, I actually spoke with them a couple of days before their first single from that album, Body Moves, came out. Body Say, Body (laughs) Body Moves. Body Say and Body Moves. So many bodies. (laughs) And we also just talked about, uh, you know, what it was like for Joe and Demi to reunite. They've been working together for a decade, starting with Camp Rock on the Disney Channel. So um, they basically said it was a year of reunions. So um, just a super fun interview with uh, these six wonder... Oh, my God. Six people? Five Five people? Five. (laughs) Five people. Um, And here's our interview with Demi and DNCE. Great. How are you? So good. Good. And we're at a very special event today for Marriott Rewards. Um, Can you kind of give me a rundown of what we're doing today? Yeah. So Marriott Marriott Reward (laughs) users and winners, they um. Yeah, they, they're able to see us live here in this amazing outdoor stage that they set up. We obviously have iconic venues like the Staples Center behind us, but we get to play outside downtown LA and play kind of our own block party. And what better way to do it with friends? So we're going to make sure that this is a lot of fun. Very cool. And yeah, you guys have known each other for a while. So um, how, like, what is it like getting back together, getting the group back together, basically? You've been on tour with Nick for the last few months and now you're reunited with Joe like what what is that like Demi? This year is all about a big reunions. Yeah, um seriously. I've <laughs> I said seriously. Um <laughs> yeah, you know, getting back together and getting to perform um with Joe is awesome. We got to he actually came out on a few of the shows this last uh this last summer on the tour that I did with Nick and that was fun. We got to sing together. And um, and DNC came out as well and sang "Cake by the Ocean," which I love that song. <laughs> Everybody loves that song. It's a great song. Yeah. And you have a full album coming out finally. We had the EP "Sway" before, and now we have the self-titled debut album, November 18. Um, what can you tell us about it that we might not know yet? Well, what you don't know is um, we worked very hard on it, and uh, I don't know. I like to talk about it as like kind of a house party. The album. So every song is like a different room in the house, you know? 
So like there's one room that's like kind of sexy is another room that's crazy party. And then there's like a couple rooms just filled with cake or toothbrushes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and you guys did some writing on the album? Yeah, yeah. We wrote on the full album and I've re song co-written and it's nice to have like a year to create something. Usually you only have a few months or a few weeks to bang out an album. We had a full year to kind of evolve as a band and figure out what direction we wanted to go to. And towards. Remy, when you're on tour, you're able to sing your new song, Body Say. Um, your album, Confident, obviously came out last October, but is Body Say maybe a sign of another album coming our way? There's definitely going to be another album coming, but um, I'm taking my time with it, and I'm not rushing anything. Um, at, like like you said, you normally get a couple months or weeks to make an album, and this time I'm really going to take my time to figure out my sound and um, and hopefully take it to a, a level that I've never been before. And um, is, are you always making music, though? Like when you're out on the road, are you thinking about it, writing? I'm always making music, whether it's on my phone, on my phone and voice notes, or um, whether it's on a barf bag on an airplane. <laughs> I I'm always writing, and um, and yeah. So on the road, we actually had a studio tour bus, and so um, or a, a studio bus on tour, and we got to make new music, which was cool. But yeah, constantly writing. Yeah, we'd be just like if someone humming and if someone like hears something cool and just I start beatboxing and they just start put the lyrics together and <laughs> yeah, so it can be naturally happen in the elevator, it can be in the tour bus, it can be in the swimming pool, wherever that is. We just you know have fun with it. It can be in the Marriott hotel room. Exactly. <laughs> um, and Jack, congratulations to all of you guys on the best new artist at the Thank you. I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, we've we've <laughs> been around for a year now, so I guess it's still new. But yeah, we've all like, you know, we I go way back with Joe and even Demi, and and like, you know, we've all been touring in different capacities for many years, and it's kind of nice that we can still do something new and be a new best new artist. And Demi, you were kind of uh, fighting for them on Twitter to get that. Best yeah, artist. definitely. Very cool. And um, you also have a relationship uh, with uh, Nick with your Safe House Records, and I saw that you were you all were um, tweeting about Court Overstreet's new song Homeland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's it like to have this like family label and kind of everyone supporting each other like that? It's an amazing feeling because we're in an industry where everything's so competitive, and when you're able to be around people that you that are so supportive it just makes the journey that much more fun absolutely and um what can the fans expect from this block party outside that we're going to see today it's going to be a party it's gonna be a lot of fun maybe um, a surprise yeah we've got a surprise or two lined up Interesting. it's i think it's just already so unique and special to do something out outside you know you like I said earlier, we have iconic venues around us, and we get to play a huge show out outside. So you can probably watch from even just finding a building rooftop if you can. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so much to Demi Lovato and DNCE for sitting down with us before your concert. Um, we're looking forward to all the new music that... 
these five people have to come. Five. Five. <laughs> five people. Um, well, there you go. So uh, I believe that's it. We're I all think done. it is. Uh, what song should we go out on? Oh, go, man. Go out on this week. What song should we go out on? Can we go out on a Camp Rock song? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you've stumped me because I never... I, I, I actually... Never... This is a terrible idea. No. We're, we're going to move on. Uh, forcing us to edit this out. Um, no. What should we go out on for real, though? Um, well, we'll leave all that in because that's funny. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what would you like to go out on? Oh Stevie Wonder? Yeah, Stevie... Little Stevie Wonder. We can go out on uh, Fingertips, yes. the proper way that it should be sung, not yeah. the terrible way that I didn't do it at all. Love it. So, see you guys next week. Bye. Clap your hands.